Hello, welcome to the Critical Obsession podcast. My name is Mirella. And I'm Zoe. And hi, I'm Cass. Hello. <laughs> Mirella, you meant to finish the thing. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about Last Twilight. Yes, our last episode for Last Twilight. How many times can I say last in a sentence? Let's see. Let's do our let's talk. <laughs> let's talk Last Twilight. So you probably know me and Zoe already. Mm-hmm. If you don't, we are the hosts of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you don't, I, I'm like if you, I'm questioning who you are if you don't know. Although, hang on, someone did find us through our Let's Talk Dangerous Romance. So we shouldn't make jokes about people not knowing who we are because they could stumble on this episode. Oh, yes. It could be the Hi, start of their the journey. Host. So, yeah, so we are the hosts. <laughs> and Cass is our admin. <laughs> she did not apply for this job. We gave it to her. I've graduated from the stray puppy that follows you home, I think, last Let's Talk to now admin. I like it. What yeah. will I do next time I join you? I don't know. A manager at this point. I'm like, when it, whenever whenever Morella and I like, we don't know, we're like, let's ask Cass. Cass! <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like you got more than you bargained for when you, as you said, followed us home. <laughs> Yes. So for those who don't know me, I previously was on Let's Talk Dangerous Romance. I spent a lot of time talking to Zoe and Morella about the shows they're watching and I'm very excited to be here today. Yeah. And we, I feel like we should preference that with the fact that we need, we feel the need, we need to roast Kess just a little bit because when we started doing, she loved Dangerous Romance. (laughs) She's a big Pershimon girl. So she loved Dangerous Romance. And then we started doing the podcast for Last Twilight. And she's like, oh, I'm not going to watch the show, but I'll listen to the podcast, to which I was like, wait, what? <laughs> but, so if you've been listening to the podcast, you may have noticed there's on a few occasions where I was like a little bit kind of sarcastic, where I would be like, you know, if you're listening and you haven't watched the episode, <laughs> this is what happened or, 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 or something like that that was directed at Cass. But what around about when did you decide to dive in? What episode was it that we finally And why? In? After episode nine. So I made yeah. it through nine episodes of actively listening and asking you guys questions and going back and forth. Morella sent me the most emotional, soul-destroying message that was like, why aren't you here? You should be experiencing this with us. And I finally caved and started watching. And... And have since then cried approximately six or seven hours. <laughs> well, in our defense, or, or or because the message was from Morella, in Morella's defense, episode nine was epic in all proportions. It was a brilliant episode with a brilliant ending. It literally could have been the ending of the show. It was amazing. And so at that point in time, we were like, why aren't you watching this? What's wrong with you? <laughs> and now we feel like well I feel like we should sort of maybe apologize but wasn't this a fun journey that you took with us (laughs) no I'm I'm so excited to be here and I'm so grateful for so many of the moments that I experienced through this show so I'm glad you guys dragged me in and and I'm really excited to see what Jimmy and C do next so I'm glad I got to experience them as actors too let's talk about things that were done well first of all the acting, because oh. we all came out of it loving Jimmy and C, and mm. the acting was amazing. 
the actors put their hearts into these uh, roles and I'm talking about all the actors because I cannot really think of someone who did not do good enough I would I would agree with that yeah everybody did their roles really really well the second thing that I want to mention is the cinematography I think this is the first time I'm actually noticing Bangkok and thinking wow the production crew is very competent and the oh, women have anything to yeah do strong they- women strong women Many, many very different strong female characters. Yes, amazing characters, of course. The other thing yeah. that I, I feel like they did, I mean, look, I feel like in actual fact with GMM, they're doing this with most of their shows, most of the newer shows recently, and that is that with the music, they're knocking it out of the park. Like the, the music, soundtracks, yes. the soundtracks for these yes. late, later shows for Dangerous Romance, um, like, and, and Glass Twilight specifically, um really 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 good music really good music i also think the storytelling up to episode nine was done very well it It was was. on point it was it was on point it was simple enough so that you could understand it and understand what they want you to think but at the same time it wasn't uh, it didn't feel like it was lazy at all no, it, and I think I think everything worked, and I felt like it. Well, I do really honestly believe that it was going somewhere. I feel like somewhere mm-hmm. along the line, something happened. At least I hope mm-hmm. that that's what happened, because otherwise, now when I look back, especially with like, so for example, Day's characterization, I'm a little bit wary about whether there were some holes in the storytelling. But generally, it was very, very good. I really liked most of the development. I'm just there were some really good points that were brought up in, or like or like not not points but like I guess plots um or like threads of plots that were brought up early early on and towards the middle of the story that they never ever addressed and to me that's probably the main negative about the earlier episodes is that they had these great moments that just never went anywhere and that was really kind of frustrating for me personally but I'm sure like for other people maybe not a big deal which ones do you mean so um, we're doing a bit of a crossover here. I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit more later on, but like Mork's trauma, for example. So we have mm-hmm. this, um, one, of the, one of our things coming up is like favorite scenes. And for me, one of, if not my favorite scene or not my favorite, because I know what my favorite scene is, but like very close to my favorite scene is the scene from, hang on, let me see. I believe, oh, episode two. So the PTSD freakout that Mork has in episode two, which for me was one of those scenes where they really didn't need to include it if they weren't going to address any of that. Like it was a, a scene for no reason. There was no, it didn't go anywhere in terms of like, um, it never got addressed, this trauma that he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's very clearly holding close to him. And that does come out again later on in episode 11. Um, it becomes very clear that this is something that is, manifesting inside of him um but they don't address it at at all and so like he has this we have this moment where he freaks out and you know is so concerned for day and yet we don't get to see like the later like reflection of that at all and so I was kind of a bit like it's one of my favorite scenes because Jimmy just like wow you know and it's amazing and it's, I feel like it's a really important scene. They decided to include the themes of like, you know, n- no one said PTSD in the show, but that's, let's face it, that's what it is. 
um, and also suicide and things like that, but they didn't develop them. They didn't address them in a respectful manner. Indeed, there are many scenes that feel like they're going somewhere and feel very important. And then when you get to the end, you kind of understand that I guess they weren't or maybe something happened along the way and the plans changed Mm. and they just dropped some stuff. Yeah. Another thing that I think must be mentioned, even though in the end it, it's kind of unclear where they were going with this and why, they did have representation and they did start conversation and they did bring attention to certain topics. I want to echo yeah. that. I was going to say that I, I really thought, especially in one through nine, how they handled uh, Day's blindness and showing a full spectrum of like really uncomfortable moments, like when he's left alone in the bathroom and how the, I remember you both talking about how the guys in the bathroom were understandably like very confused and annoyed by this guy touching him. So you could really sympathize with like both sides. Um, I thought showing how the strangers on the street um, and they sort of, some of them helped him, some of them different. I, I think that they did a really nice job of showing how challenging it would be to have a disability in today's society. So I, it made me really stop and think. Yeah, I feel like there was there was some really brilliant scenes. I mean, this scene where they showed us as well, um, Mork uh, blindfolding himself at the market and stuff like that, like taking that idea that it was something that people would probably never even think like would never occur to someone else you know we have that that saying about you know put yourself in someone else's shoes but like people rarely actually physically do that and so I really did like those scenes as well the other thing is I think they did a really good job of as you said making us talk about it it doesn't always have to be positive discussion to be good discussion because we're talking about it which means people are learning new things um, it is it is a subject that is being brought to light. Maybe, you know, not as I said, not all the discussion is positive because like maybe there are some aspects that worked and didn't work. And so yeah. it's, it's good because the conversations are still happening. So even though like maybe the message was a bit blurred with the show, like with the way that they actually portrayed it and everything, I feel like the fact that they even addressed it from the beginning is a really positive thing. And I, I feel like I have some some distance <laughs> because I feel like if you if you if you've coming to to this uh, let's talk last twilight from the other twelve episodes of our podcast you know we love this show we absolutely love this show you also know that it kind of broke us in episode twelve we yep. were really very upset Morella keeps watching uh, keeps listening to part four of our podcast <laughs> don't, I don't, don't, don't know don't. why she's torturing herself it's with that car I well, shared it with you as a secret. <laughs> well, you are you are the master editor, so you can always cut this out. But I feel like it's one of those things. Like everyone was with us, and you know they witnessed the the fact that it. You know we had very strong feelings about the way they ended this show, and it's funny because having some distance of what is it a week now feels so much longer. Why does it feel longer? Does it feel longer to you guys? It's been it does. Okay, Cass, like probably it's... not you because you only watched episode 12 today. But like... It's like I've had a whole life to think about it, to get upset, to yeah. be brokenhearted, to get through all the 
stages of grief and everything. Yeah, it's, it feels really weird to me. It feels longer, like a couple of weeks at least, at the bare minimum. But um, yeah, I feel like I have some distance from it now. You know, I I, I went away. I saw lots of posts from from people with disability who were for the end of the episode, and I saw lots of people who were very upset about the way the episode ended and the message that was portrayed and my what I my takeaway from that my main takeaway from that is is that it's not my place I don't have that disability it's not my place to necessarily talk over people so while I can say I didn't like it because mm-hmm. at the end of the day now that I've got some distance it's really funny day getting his eyesight is actually not the not my main issue with, yeah. with the way they ended this show in actual fact it's like about 10th on the list so and, it, and it's not even that. Like, I actually don't have an issue now. I've thought about it with the fact that they did what they did. I now have an issue with how they did it. And I'll, I'll talk on that some more later on because we did get a question um, from one of our listeners. So I will address it when we get to that part. But, um, yeah, I think they did a really good job with what, like, it was, the problem was as well is we were so invested in this show. <laughs> yeah. And when you get so invested... And it was just, I don't know, we had this idea of what it was going to be and what we want it to, wanted it to be. And maybe that's on us. But at the same time, I feel like there was way too many people. I saw way too many people who were angry for the same reasons, who who were seeing the same things as us. So I can't I can't imagine that we're all completely wrong. Like they, they definitely laid the groundwork for, for many different things that they just didn't quite get to. Yes, because we thought this show had one message mm. and then in the end they it's it felt like they changed their mind i do want to be a little what? bit careful of that though because we sat on the let's talk dangerous romance and were frustrated at how many people thought dangerous romance had this one big message and and i do think there were signs all in almost every single episode they take pictures and there's constant references to like day watch looking at them one day. So I do think there well, were again, I know you're saying that. you're saying about the pictures, but at the same time there's Pion who also took pictures and the first person who was introduced who was taking pictures was him. So you could say that it's just a thing that they, you know, do because they introduced it like this and not with just day taking pictures. Yeah. And I mean, if you think of it from the standpoint as well, I get what you're saying, Cass, but if you think of it from the standpoint as well, when you're using Payon, Payon and his wife, whose name completely uh, escapes me right this moment. But if you take it from their perspective, she still has her sight. So she's going to enjoy the photos in a way like, so maybe the photos he's taking are for her or like for other people in his life who have sight. Um, but I get what you're saying that they definitely did, kind of hit us over the head a couple of times with the fact that they might do this and I think that's why a lot of people were going oh yes this is going to happen and Marilyn and I are like never it's totally never going to happen no Um, I think the biggest uh, foreshadowing was the scene where Day goes to the student advisor and he says never lose hope you you don't know when like a miracle would happen or something like this Mm -hmm. right I think that was the biggest foreshadowing Yeah, and we kind of missed it because we were we thought, like, what if this is a tragic foreshadowing? What if he dies? What if yeah. blah, blah, blah? But it was actually something completely different. We, we ne- he was never to be seen of again, so we don't even know. Maybe he did die. Who knows? Um, so what is the message? Well, I, I guess I'll like- say one more thing on, like, 
I feel like we keep with shows like collectively like trying to read a bigger message into it and one of the, the things shows should be judged on is not necessarily did they tell the message we thought they were telling but like did they tell a cohesive story from start to finish and so I guess just noting like when I'm critiquing Day getting his say back or how they got back together it's not that I think that that Day shouldn't have been blind or he should have been blind it's that they told a confusing story to reach that point. Yeah. And I feel like the thing with it for me is, as I said, I've let go of the heat. They gave him his high sight thing back. I, for me, it, it's muddied the message, but I don't really think it matters either way. I, I what, pro- what the problem was with them giving him his eyesight back is it nullified so many other big moments in the show. Like what was the point of the last Twilight scene at the end of episode nine if they were going to give him his eyesight back? What was the point? They're there for to be beautiful and, and dramatic. But <laughs> what is the message? What is the message? Well, I don't know because I'm super negative about certain things in terms of character development for certain characters and I feel like the message is lost because those things weren't developed. And so I don't really know what their message is because at the end at the end of the day, they didn't address Mork's trauma. Day really hasn't changed in terms of like him being a little bit selfish. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we, what, we, there was no character development. Like, at the end of episode 11, Day sends him away because the only thing that's gone is the pity. So the pity is gone because he's now got his eyesight back, supposedly, even though Mork never pitied him. But anyway, Zoe Bitter there. Um, <laughs> but he basically, um, we had the bit at the end of episode 11 where he sent him away and then because this whole thing was he didn't want him to put his his life on hold and everything and then they get back together in episode 12 with that still being a thing Mork's trauma not being addressed you know if Day hadn't been given his sight back their relationship would have flared up at some point again because they hadn't addressed any of their main issues in the story and so the fact that they gave him his eyesight back seemed to me to be almost like a fix-all and it's like that that muddied the message for me. I feel like that that makes it a negative message. They shouldn't have done that. And, like, I, I'm fine with them giving him his eyesight back, but they should have resolved more things before they did that because now I'm yeah. like, well, what was the point of X, Y, Z? What, what do you think is the message? I have a couple. I guess they're more, like, themes than one overarching message. Um, I think one that came up a lot is sunrises, that there's – no matter how dark things might seem for periods of time in your life, there's always going to be a sunrise. There's always going to be a new day and a new start. So there is a message of hope that I think comes up a lot in this. Um, and then I think appearance is a, is a yeah. huge theme. Like we're all judged for how we appear. And I think everyone from the garage owner who seems like this grizzled, like tough guy, but is actually probably one of the sweetest characters on the entire show. Um, it's constantly talked about how like rough Mork seems when he's also so loving and nurturing. Porzai gets judged for being a single mother. All of the talk of how Day gets pitied. Um, like almost every single character at some point, you're led to judge for how they appear uh, when they're actually something really different. So I think there's some thoughtful commentary on like s- truly seeing people for who they are, not what they look like. I think also as well, there's a bit of commentary happening on how you, how 
you see yourself as well. And I mean, Dave even says that when he mentions about like how he can't see his old self in the mirror um, or he, and things like that. It's because like the main issue between Day and Mork, say at the end of episode 11, besides the fact that Mork is like having a bit of a breakdown is that Day still pities himself. Yeah. yeah. And so like these are important things also to address, but they didn't actually address that. I feel like this is what we saw, but this is not what the writers saw in their <laughs> character. And this is why they went in a different direction. I agree. One message about the appearance, the second one about never giving up, having hope. And I think the third one is giving second chances to yourself and to people that deserve them yeah Yeah. the other thing the other thing i want to say is i think uh kaz you mentioned it before about how we look at shows these days and i mean of course like morella and i are probably going to be even more a little bit guilty of that because it's essentially what we're doing we're looking for the message we're looking for the themes um within these shows that we're watching for the podcast um but not not every show is going to have a big message not every show is going to be some sort of groundbreaking whatever and I totally get that but I feel like this maybe maybe this is like baby steps because I feel like there was such a a big thing with this show is that it was it was it felt groundbreaking you know what I mean like it felt like they were going to do something amazing and and like maybe that was our fault you know what I mean? Like we were expecting something that was never, it was, they were, they were never intending to do that. They were just, I think the just problem is to that... tell this story yeah. with a blind person as the main character, which in itself is kind of groundbreaking. You know what I mean? So, I mean, as I said, maybe it's one of those things, you know, having too many expectations as the viewer. Um, I think every... this, is, this happened before because, from start uh, to episode nine, every episode just kept getting better and better and better. And yeah. it was like, how can they, like, are they really going to do this? Like, are they going to make the next one even feel even bigger, even more impactful? It was like hard to believe. And they did it every time, every week. It was just harder and harder to get over it and to retract from this world because it engulfed you like it was it was so good and it just like episode nine mm. I I don't even, <laughs> I kept crying for days after episode nine and I, I I didn't even know what was happening to me I was happy I was sad I felt all kinds of emotions it was like a big experience yeah and then we they got to this point and I think Nothing could top it. Nothing could top it. Well, I think that, but I think also, like, the thing with, like you said, you know, like, each week was getting better and better. So I felt like we were on the same sort of journey that Day was on in regards to, like, finding his sight, you know what I mean? Like, finding this new way of life. And we were getting exposed to these things, like these ideas that, you know, people can do this they can do that if you try this you, this will happen and like so we, we were on the same journey as him which was really cool and mm-hmm. they did a, such a good job of that that there were things that I didn't notice at the time that they weren't addressing so like they weren't addressing like there's a few character flaws in Day's character let's say um, yeah. and they weren't addressing those like they were addressing the outside his, his 
they were addressing his how do I word this um like the way he was reacting and functioning within the outside world within outside people and stuff like that but there wasn't any actual real work being done on the inside of him so there was certain things that there were yes he was getting more courage he was getting braver about things he was getting more we kept talking about how he cannot uh, literally see mock and figuratively as well and we were kept waiting for him to start seeing mock figuratively yeah but he never did no he and never I, think, did. I think a part of that is, is is like and people probably hate me for saying this and i'm like okay i'm okay if you hate me for saying this but day's character was a little bit selfish um he told oh, no, us not once a again, little bit he was yeah he was <laughs> big time like, selfish you're, and was like you're being too kind he was extremely selfish no because um, i'm re-watching i'm re-watching the series as a friend i think i mentioned it in uh, the last uh, podcast and after watching ep- episode 12 and knowing that it goes nowhere his character really like the way he is does not change it's hard it's hard to watch because i don't like him anymore i don't like him as a person yeah i thought his like prickliness and his kind of like kind of cutting dismissive remarks were a defense mechanism because he'd gone blind and everything had been so terrifying and it's really clear on rewatch that he was always kind of an asshole and he always kind of talked yeah. out to people and it's just him continuing to be himself. So it's a very different way to look at his character. It's interesting yeah. too because once again, we were told this. He told Mork that this is who he was. Like he said, yeah. you know, before the accident, I was a spoiled rich like brat basically. And so and people did not like me. I had no friends, like no real friends. So like he actually tells us the viewer these things about him he tells Mork these things about him as well but Mork by that stage is already all heart eyes are gore and he all he can see is this guy that he thinks is amazing (laughs) I think we we kind of had the same journey we maybe I had the same journey I started liking him but it was clear that at some point that relationship was unsustainable because he only took he that did not give anything back yeah he never gave Yeah, and it was clear that at some point he would hurt Mok. Mm. And I was just knowing how stories work. I was expecting him to do that, but then change and be sorry and uh, apologize yeah. and fix things and give back. But it never happened. Yeah, so we, we needed a scene where he was truly there for Mok. And they tried to do that in the last episode. They had that little scene where they went to the parrots and rungs burial i don't know what they call that um yeah but that's just words that's not yeah, action yeah, but that's that what I'm saying. But like, this, like oh i have someone who looks after me and and that but that happened also after they got his sight back so it's like could he not look after him before like was he that that's a bad story to tell of course he could we have pa on and his wife who basically tell us that they yeah. are there and support each other but we never actually saw that from day I think the best moment we get from Day on that line is when they're standing on the porch. And I'm going to talk about that later in favorite scenes. But he is being there for Mark and asking about his sister and complimenting this house that Mark is so proud of and being really kind of like emotionally available to him and not being like very warm and friendly. So that to me felt like progress towards him starting to to want to know about Mark and support him. But it gets lost later on. Yeah. I feel like we might have mentioned I think that another, another moment was from episode 11 when when he 
support smoke and he's like we can just do uh, long distance i it's okay it's cool let's do this and then another one when mock tells him but that he did not get the job he's like okay you can try that next time you can do this and he tries to support him i think this is also a good these are good moments but they so, got yeah, lost because of the way he i mean maybe, yeah exactly. maybe it's a, maybe it's not a case of him being a selfish person maybe it's just that once again he gets sucked back because when when he finds out that that they like didn't tell him the truth about the Mark. job he reverts back to his fear of being pitied and that is his internal issue and so when that happens he becomes incredibly selfish because he's like he's like a like a, a an animal or you know like like any of us when we feel kind of like threatened with our back up against the wall we go straight for the attack and defend we don't we're not thinking about other people we're only thinking about how can i make this stop hurting or how can i protect myself so like we had these moments as you said where like there were little glimmers of oh look he's having some development and then he just reverted all the way back and just never came back from that because they didn't deal with anything like instead of you know more being sent away he should have been embraced they should have been you know some therapy some conversation some whatever and they go through it together and they both learn and grow together and support one another and then you know if they want to give him his eyesight back then that's it's like it's it's that's great whatever but it's like they didn't do any of that they just sent him away and then nothing (laughs) well let's uh, talking about their eyesight and their eye donation we got some questions from uh, by all accounts, this doesn't make sense. An account from Tumblr. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I like. I feel like their name is like very uh, perfect for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just like it's very fortuitous because there's so many moments that, by all accounts, it doesn't make sense in this, in, this episode, in, in episode twelve of uh, Last Twilight. So how fortuitous of name! Like, what a great name. <laughs> So I want to ask one of you to read the questions. So the first question that we got was, I'm just going to read out what we've got. It says, I know we kind of want to forget the ending, but I really want to know what would have been your ideal ending. When would you have deviated from canon? Would you delete some scenes? Are there missing scenes living in your brain? You would put in, what do you imagine will happen to our characters post-canon? Can I start? The Can I start with yeah. Zoe? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do. Okay, so I kind of had a wish list. Honestly, like Morella and I, we mentioned multiple things during the course of doing the podcast for this show where we were like, this has to happen. (laughs) And so there are definitely some things that we really, really wanted. But for me, my wish list for the end of this show was realistic representation. And what I mean by that is um, from a medical standpoint, there were things that were like really important things that were left out of giving Day back his sight. And so I wish they had addressed that because I feel like it alters the story again. And maybe some people who had issue with him getting his eyesight back, for example, may have had a little bit more compassion and understanding about like what actually was happening. Um, and also like just to to, for the knowledge just just for the education purposes and I get like once again we if we go back to talking about like you know sometimes a show can just be a show I feel like 
they chose to tap they chose to do the show about a blind person they chose to include the themes of suicide and PTSD they chose to do these things and so I feel like they have to have a little bit of responsibility for portraying them in a responsible manner in a realistic manner so I I because the communities that that are affected by these things are going to be either positively or negatively affected by these things. So I think it's really really important. So that was my first wish list thing. My second one was oh my god, please deal with Mork's trauma because Mork is the bestest boy, butterfly prince, kindest being, biggest green flag whatever. Any like kind of red flag moments he had was like trauma based. Please, please, please fix his trauma. That would have been my, like, number one, please, please, please. And day supporting Mork would have been secondary to that, but, like, as a part of that. And then also, and I feel like Morella will back me on this, we needed a bridge scene. Yep. Why introduce the bridge? Once again, one more thing, this beautiful thing that Mork tells Day this place, you know, when I'm feeling whatever, this is where I go. Why, 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 why put that in there if you weren't going to use it in the future as a place for a day to find Mork? Or, I mean, they could have even have done it after he gave him his eyesight, after they gave him his eyesight back or whatever if they wanted to. Like, make it a place where he can go and support Mork. Make it a place where it's. You know, or maybe Mork couldn't find Day and he's there, or I don't know. Like, it just seems really weird that they were bothered to tell Mork and tell us and show us this place that Mork would go when he was upset. Um, Mm -hmm. Why? Why bother? So, to me, it was like we needed a bridge scene for me to have a happy ending. (laughs) We needed a bridge scene. We needed Mork's trauma to be address we needed day supporting mork and we need i i really wanted realistic representation but yeah <laughs> that, that, that those are my things now you guys might paint a better more like specific picture about stuff but they were my like if i if i had a checklist that's the stuff that's on it okay i have two <laughs> ones really quick I agree with you both what you said that had they just ended after 10 episodes and had them go home and day reconcile with night and a few other things get wrapped up. I think it would have been an absolute masterpiece and that would have been the closest to canon way that they could have wrapped it. Uh, My 12 arc ideal ending is actually kind of a story. So bear with me. I'm a writer for those of you who don't know, but I would have had a very similar breakup if they were going to do the breakup and Mork leave in tears upset and go to the bridge I would have had at the beginning of 12 day go out on his own and through his own skills because we've seen he can take a taxi he can navigate on his own at this point I would have had him find Mork on the bridge and say I'm here for you I want to support you I hadn't realized how hard it was for you and then I would have still had Mark go to Hawaii and take the job and had a sequence of them sending each other letters. And I think it would have been really sweet. They could have had Mark like record them and send them today and Dave be listening to his voice. And then you could have gotten these slice of life like snippets of how he's recovering and how he's working on himself. And you could have had Day supporting him as well. And then when they reunited at the wedding, 
it could have been this really beautiful emotional moment where they kept in touch, they'd been working on themselves, but they'd had that space and separation from the caretaker dynamic to really come back together as a couple. So mm. I think that's how I would have handled it as close to canon as possible. And had I think it would have been a much more impactful emotional arc had they kept talking in that separation and then been so happy to be reunited once they felt ready and had that kind of like time and space. Mm. Marilla? I kind of uh, reimagined. <laughs> I had fun today reimagining the ending and it's kind of long. So bear with me. First of all, I would have taken out the mom taking his phone away and changing the Wi-Fi password. I did not like that. And I don't think that did anything good for the story. Second of all, the breakup scene, I would have left it like this. But then I would have Day maybe have some flashbacks, maybe talk to his mom and rethink uh, his relationship with Mock and Mock's re reactions. And then I would have Day call Mock and Mock would arrive to Day's house. And um, I, I wanted Day to ask him to go to the rooftop in the morning. That well, wouldn't have taken me a long time. Yeah. I wanted them to go to the rooftop and I wanted um, Day to tell Mork that he needs uh, Mork to actually go, explaining that he wants to learn to be on his own in order to be able to feel like he's not holding Mork back, explain that this is something that he really needs and that it's, uh, it's a very selfish thing to ask, but uh, he wants to make this request anyway. And uh, so they uh, watch the sunrise, a new day. It's a sad one because they have to uh, separate. But then we see Mok in Hawaii. And we see them doing all this stuff by themselves. Probably like the way episode 12 begins. But at the same time, I want to see some scenes where Mok has just mean. And for example, photos of him and day and night and Purjai in Hawaii suggesting that he they visited him maybe they should have introduced I'm going to make a call um reference to coffee prince because I feel like this um, story act would have worked even better here for example if Mok's contract lasts lasts for a year and he calls day to tell him that uh, he was um offered um, another contract or like um, for it to be extended. And I want it to be clear that he is actually eager to work there and he likes his job. And then Day starts questioning what if Mok wants to stay and work there. And then so he kind of gets sad, but he wants to support him. And then Mok doesn't tell Day when he comes back Hello. And so he, so it's unexpected. He's, he comes up back home and he goes to Day's house, but Day is not there. And maybe Knight tells him that uh, sometimes Day goes somewhere where, where uh, Mok has taken him, but he doesn't really know where that place is. He goes there when he is sad. So Mok goes to the memorial bridge and he finds Day there. And maybe something similar happens to the way they met in uh, the hotel, where Day doesn't uh, necessarily recognize 
Mok's presence at first, but then the perfume, some maybe some interaction, and they start talking, and Mok tells him that his contract ended, but he wants to stay, and he asks Day if he can stay. And then Day tells him that that would make him the happiest man alive. And then he Mok asks Day why he was there, and Day tells him that that's the place he goes when he misses him because Mok once told him that um, that path led to him. So then um, I'd have them go to Mok's house because I really wanted them to reintroduce the house. And Day knows his ways there because he and Porjai have, they have been going there and taking care of the house so that like you still can feel the warmth in all the corners and Rung's presence. And to me, that would be a way to... Um, express that day is taking care of Mok and Mok's past, taking care of the house. And maybe maybe Mok has a sunflower now and he gives day the sunflower, finally. And then I would have the wedding, something similar to the previous wedding, night and Pujai's wedding. But, uh, and I want I wanted to have a scene similar to the one from the wedding in episode eight where Mok told Day that he'd never let go of his hand but this time I want Day to be the one who does that and ask for forgiveness for leaving him alone and tell him that he never let go anymore and that uh, this is now it's his turn to um, take care of uh, Mok and make sure that he is happy. And maybe some other scenes with them together like from episode 12 from the end of episode 12 um, like their lives together, maybe they leaving with Mok as, at his house, a, a scene where the mom tells Mok that he can call him mom. And then I'd ended with Day uh, and Mok in the car, no band-aid, it's fixed, and they go uh, on a travel together, disappearing into the sunset or sunrise but i prefer the sunset and uh i kind of stole this idea from jimmy they're going to on 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 an adventure this is how i'll do this um probably can i say because you guys like went right in i feel like i should add something because mine was like i have a checklist um i both of your versions are very nice the one thing i would say that if it was me if i was the one writing it i would not separate them so I would I would separate them, but I wouldn't separate them. So I wouldn't send one person far away from the other, purely and simply because not initially. Like I would, I don't know. I just I I feel like it was too cruel and it was too much to expect a character who has essentially no one to go off on their own to a new place where they don't speak the language, where they are clearly having like basically a major, major breakdown mentally and just for that to be a, a, a way to resolve things. So for me, I would not separate them straight away. Once they were doing a little bit better, then I would then perhaps maybe have Mork still go to America or whatever and for them to have a break. Um, and then either of your versions work for me, basically. I do love the little bridge that and the bit where you said about it yeah. that leads to him. I really liked that. I feel like it would fit, kind of fit the characters, though. They still being kind of selfish and sending him away, or Mok doing that. 
Yeah, I I mean I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just saying I wouldn't I would have I would have liked it better. It doesn't inflict such pain on your readers or watchers, right? <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. For me personally, I just I don't know. If if Mork yeah. hadn't had the trauma that he had, then I would have been fine with it. But because he had the trauma he had, and especially at that point in time, he really needed day or needed support from somebody if it couldn't have been day it needed to be somebody and like the only other person he has is poor jai well poor jai wasn't in the position to be supportive of him then um i feel like i prefer the idea of if if we were going to separate them of mork like if i had written this i would not have sent him to hawaii that's just me i would not have sent him to hawaii so the Hawaii thing wasn't really the the appeal or anything when he was even thinking about it. it was the I think the excitement that fi- finally someone saw something in him and wanted him to do something um, that he loved essentially. And so, what would have been a, a another nice I think ending was if they broke up and they split up. But instead of like him leaving and going to Hawaii, he went to Day's hometown and ended up working at the at the resort or something instead. Um, and maybe the hotel guy sent someone else to Hawaii or whatever because it seems like poor Jai not poor Jai uh PA on his wife sort of split their time between that place and wherever Day and Mork are meant to be living whether it's Bangkok or what I don't really know and so I like the idea of him having them because they have also sort of become his friends too and so it gives him another I guess like kind of support system I like the idea of him like healing in that place um and not being too far away i don't know that's just a a random thing but the other part of the question was what did we imagine will happen to our characters post canon so for me this the way the story ended like actually ended i don't know if if day hadn't got his sight back i would have said they would have broken up uh eventually um again um, in my version, they don't break up. No, 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 no. But I'm talking about. I'm talking about. Oh, you like mean the way both the show... in this in this yeah, version? Yeah. Oh, I think they, they. Yeah, I think they break up. I think they need to break up because Day does not deserve Mark. <laughs> no, but you think about it though. Like if Day, if they hadn't given Day back his sight, then I feel like they eventually they would have broken up because they hadn't dealt with any of the issues that they had either of them. Um, I think even with the site back, it does not mean that they will get along. Yeah, I was going to say, because still, like, Day being a little bit selfish, Mork, Mork not addressing... He keeps saying a little bit. It's not a little bit. It's not <laughs> I, just a little I, bit. I'm trying to be, what do you call it? Um, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? Unbiased? <laughs> moderate diplomatic yeah i'm trying to be i it's funny morella and i were joking last night about me being the voice of reason in this podcast and i'm like that's a scary thing for me because i'm usually the one who's like no this can't happen oh crazy like and i i have never thought you would be the calm one on this podcast exactly that's right i'm like what's happening (laughs) they broke my heart this is what happened they broke my heart no, I mean, I get it. Look, I feel the same, but I'm just, yeah, I, I actually agree with you. I feel like even though they gave Day his sight back, that it doesn't guarantee that they would stay together post-canon because, as I said, Mork hasn't addressed his trauma and that could manifest in other ways. They never really showed us this transition between someone who is not necessarily in a caring a carer role, but like it, 
their relationship was different because Dave didn't have his side. So Mork was used to doing things a certain way and everything. Like he he literally learned how to try and help Dave navigate the world. And so to go from that and being used to being a certain way, it would be there would be things that he would just go to do for Dave that would be second nature that aren't really necessary now. And like some couples, you know, like if, if your partner did that for you, you would be like, oh, that's really sweet, thanks. And then other people would be like, this is overbearing. So the, the transition for that, we never saw that period either. That could be an issue because how, how do you go from that role to, you know, and that's one of the things that the mother did talk about. But we didn't really mm-hmm. get to see that once again because they tried to make it look like, you know, he was he was pitying Day and he couldn't handle switching from that role to that role. But it actually had nothing to do with that. It was all to do with his trauma. Um, I think what happens is that they have uh, this line in episode six, in episode six, yes, when Knight asks Mok, aren't you sick of this job already? And he says, I, I'm not, I'm like, kind of afraid that they will be sick of me first or something like this, something like this. And I think this is a setup and after, after you know, the series ends, Day gets sick of Mok and he just leaves him. <laughs> I said something really harsh like after we watch, finished watching the show I said something to you Mor- I'm thinking, I don't know if I said it to both of you or so if I just said it to Morella but I said something about how if they had met and Day wasn't blind he wouldn't have looked twice at Mork oh you said that after Bella and I were talking about do they actually love each other what do they even know about each other so I think you were re- like reacting to a, a dark train of thought we were already going down. Oh, okay. But yeah, because I, I do think that like, the, you know, like this whole thing, this whole like story and like story arc and like thing that they would seem to be trying to tell us about how it was so beautiful because Day saw things about Mork that no one else did and, and about Mork didn't see himself and vice versa. Well, the reason why he he took the time and he saw these things or he, you know, whatever, learned these things was because he couldn't see him. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, so Kes, what do you think? Do you think in canon, do you think that, that they would have a future or do you think that it would end? I am trying very hard to be positive and optimistic. So I, I will note they do have a shared love of reading they discovered the shared love of exercising together. They now have a niece and nephew that Mark could potentially turn his doting to. So I can I could see a path forward to them. Mm. I I struggle a lot with even with everything you both said. Like, why was there a line of Mark flirting with Day in a changing room by saying, you know, I like to take care of you if they knew Day was going to get his sight back. There's weird dynamics with the caretaking that were used throughout 12 as flirtation that I struggle with, with both how they broke up and the fact that Day gets a sight back that, that kind of turned my stomach when I think about their future, but I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic and they did have something very, very special in episodes one through nine, a like really beautiful and pure love that I would like to see continue and then make it. Yeah. If I stopped watching it after episode nine, I'd be so much more optimistic. 
Oh, yeah. If it had ended at the end of episode 9 or just before the end of episode 10 even, I would yeah. have been like... Of course they're going to be together. Yeah, I would have been like, yeah. <laughs> because we would have still been under the misunderstanding that that if if when, if and when Mork's trauma, you know, poked up its ugly head, reared its ugly head, which it did, essentially, it was starting to happen. The cracks were showing in episode 10. But we would have seen... Like we, I, I would have assumed we would have started to see, you know, day supporting Mork. That's what I was expecting mm-hmm. from their story, and so, like, of course, my answer would have been, oh yes, of course, you know, this will happen and this will happen, and yeah, da 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 da. But then, yeah, nah, I don't know now. Um, I'm not, I'm not a hundred. I couldn't say a hundred percent that I thought that they would, that they would last, which is really sad to me because I agree with you, Kess. I thought that their love was beautiful, but then I also now question certain aspects of that too because there's yeah. some trauma there's some trauma questions in there about by the way sister. by the way let's get to question two okay so yes question two by okay somebody else say the name so i don't say it wrong by all accounts it doesn't make sense okay so question two was mork's trauma just that's it i just want someone i trust to talk about mork's trauma <laughs> with care it deserves how would you have liked the show to integrate it how would you have liked Day to handle it? Not just about Rung's death, but about our boy went to prison. Oh, yeah, I didn't even really think about that. They never really addressed that either, which means he did not just spend six months behind bars, then parole, then also had to go through a trial, right? After Rung's suicide, it means it looks like he was on a self-destructive path before that. So I wonder how that message influenced his defense. How much did the guilt he felt over not being there for her play into his incarceration he probably felt like he deserved to be locked up and punished, not just for the crime he was actually on trial for. Why would they take that part of the story and not explore it in the show? Why? Why? <laughs> you paralleled Mork being an outcast as an ex-convict with Day feeling like an outcast for being blind. You set it all up in the show. Where was it? I'm sorry, I just get a little carried away. But, yeah, just Mork's trauma. Oh, Mork's trauma. I mean... I really, it's so painful to me that they didn't address Mork's trauma on, in all honesty because we, it's one of those things, like I think Morelli, you said like maybe they just added trauma to make him a more interesting character and maybe they did, but they kept like, they did it. Like they, yes, he went to prison. He he had no parents. He's, and, and they were both dead. So we, I'm assuming tragically some way together. Uh, his sister with her suicide, like, he really has no one except for poor Jai, you know, and the guy that, I mean, people like Mork. Mork, the people who know him once they get to know him, like Mork. That shows very much in the fact that poor Jai, even though they're broken up, still continues to be in his life. Um, The guy who keeps Rung's car for him, he uh, likes Mork. Like, he tries to help him. Knight likes him pretty much straight away. P.A. on and his wife like him. Like people, G likes him. They they like him once they get to know him, once they get past the what they whatever their preconceived notions are. And he's a good guy. Like even the scene where he goes for the job interview with the me- mechanic guy and and he like kind of blows him off because he saw the like house arrest bracelet or whatever. And what goes behind the desk and like kicks the chair out and does all this stuff to it. And you think he's about to like be really violent and all he's doing is fixing the chair like he's a good guy he's a nice guy you know he he's a good person he's a good person yeah and he's so empathetic and sensitive to things like the as we said him trying to understand day's 
feelings about things, the way Day lives his day-to-day life, him trying to understand Day's trauma and we also see more like absorbing trauma, I guess. And like, (sighs) we have a saying here where we say like when something bad happens and like a person is kind of like wallowing in it, like suck it up buttercup. He is the epitome of suck it up buttercup because like there are all these moments in the show and Cass, you're going to be very excited because I'm going to say the A word, which for me, as you know, is a dirty, dirty, (laughs) dirty word. And this is not, this is not open. This is not an open invitation for you to now follow up. But anyway, uh, the stuff. I am talking about him later. I hope you know that. Uh, (laughs) we'll just give Marilla sorry we'll just give Tess her own podcast she can just talk about August (laughs) August is the dirty a word um anyway asshat uh, is probably actually another word we could use it also starts with a but anyway um yeah there's all these scenes with Day and Mork where uh August is interacting with Day the way he treats Mork the way you know, he can see this thing like kind of blossoming blossoming in between them. And Mork is in this really like hardcore trauma place in a couple of scenes, but he pushes that aside because firstly, he wants Day to have what he needs, right? And then secondly, because Day is upset, Day is hurt, Day is in trouble. And so his trauma of like seeing, you know, Day kissing someone else, of like having his heart broken, whatever, is all pushed to the side. It doesn't matter. He pushes it, shoves it down, and his sole focus becomes like, what does Day need? And like, okay, that's great. Like, what a what a what a what an amazing guy. But for Mork, oh my god, he's such a mess. That is so sad. It's so traumatic. It's so, and it's it's indicative of like how kind of damaged he actually is, and how much trauma. Like he's so used to like bad shit and not getting good things that this is just like, I don't deserve these things. So, it's not really like a pedestal, but yeah. So I feel like this is like a really sad commentary on like how he does not. He literally does not expect anything good or nice or happy to happen to him and yet he sees day as someone deserving of all of those things to his own detriment like he his feelings don't matter as long as day is okay and so we see that right up until the end of this show it is it is a consistent theme that they did stick to because the end scene for episode 11 which breaks my heart every time i just even think about it is that he um you know, Day says to him, if you don't pity me, you'll leave. And so he does because he doesn't pity him. And literally the only thing he can do is what Day is asking of him because he will always do what Day asks of him. And so like in this instance, he shoves his trauma once again, way back down, deep down and makes an allowance for what Day deserves and what Day needs. And it becomes not about him. Once again, it becomes about Day. And so that is a consistent theme that they showed us all along, right up until the end of episode 12, where they then have him apologize for doing absolutely nothing um, and then sort of be canalized as well later on about it, where when Day is like trying to decide whether or not Mork is worthy of his time with the oh. discussion he has with the mother. 
don't even get me started on any of that. But like these things are like, it's consistent all the way through. We actually do see him do it a bunch of times. He does it with August. He does it with a lot of different things. The mother, like he backs down because he feels like she is right. She knows more. He also, I feel like uh, empathizes and sympathizes with her. He like really understands her because they're basically the same person, um, essentially in very, in, in very similar ways. And so like he does all these things and it's like that is just one manifest manifestation of his internal trauma whether it was triggered by the loss of his parents whether it was triggered by his sister's suicide his incarceration i'm guessing at this point you're just adding one more rock to the pile every time you mention something at this point and then further the other reason why i i would be uh can like chemically uh surprised if they ended up like together long term would be because even day what day does in, at the end of episode 11 is like one more stone on the pile like it's just one more thing that's been done to him that he had no control over like his he, he, he his parents you know he lost his parents um the prison thing yeah that's kind of his own fault but his sister his sister you know taking her own life um day sending him away these are all things he is not party to he he's has his um his freedoms taken away which is also i guess another further extension of this whole prison house arrest thing that they they do as well so there are all these really interesting themes that they did with him um in terms of trauma and as i said they 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 chose to introduce the whole suicide thing which they didn't need to do they could have had her just die they could have had like a bunch of different things happen and he still could have had trauma from that but it's a different kind of trauma and it's definitely this um there was a responsibility there that they didn't uphold so that frustrates the hell out of me but with mork his his main things like these these things that we really needed to see that he really needed for character development to go all the way to go full circle and for them to really actually be able to be together and be fully functioning couple they just never address them and i don't understand why and i i like i really wish that we had had and you know what they could have got away with it really really easily inconsistency with inconsistent with the like the the story that they were trying to tell in episode 12 all they needed to do is have a couple of little montages where, as you said, either like slice of life type stuff where they showed us that he, you know, had maybe had made a friend who he spoke to about these things or like maybe he'd picked up, a, like started doing another sport that like maybe he took up, like he kept running and when he would run, he would record messages that he sent to today or something where he told stories about like wrong or something like these little things that he could have been doing um they didn't have to actually show like therapy although i feel like that that would have been um he definitely should have been speaking to some professional i think about stuff um or even just going to a support group the fact that they sent him somewhere like hawaii like america where i feel like um you guys are big on therapy it would have been a great place to actually showcase some of that and instead we they didn't even address it and i felt like that was kind of such a letdown when they had built him into this character that had so much trauma and was so self-sacrificing um that they didn't it, it really made it seem like that this was the day show they were only they only cared about day's outcome they really didn't care about Mork as a character at all um which was kind of seemed to be backed up by the fact that towards the end it, it seems like day didn't care about Mork either so it was very jarring and very upsetting from someone who it's was they didn't like Mock's character in the end. 
Yeah. Not telling me that they didn't care about him. It literally felt like the last episode was written by a whole other person. Yeah. Who hadn't seen the show. I agree. Who didn't know the characters. Who had some different versions of the characters in their mind. Mm. Or had their own agenda or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's just Mm -hmm. weird. So what about you guys? Was there some some way that you would have liked to have seen them deal with Mork's trauma? I think... Um, I don't need to see in a like a twelve episode show that's meant to be romantic, like someone on a therapy couch. Like I feel like sometimes Tomara has very unrealistic expectations of like how seriously these shows are gonna handle things like income inequality and disability and PTSD. But I think the responsibility the show has is to make me believe there's hope for the two characters to either like work through those issues together or to show that one character is committed to working on themselves so that they can be in that relationship. And, and so when you introduce something that's a hurdle to a relationship, like Mark not being able to be apart from day because he's having these panic attacks, that's when I feel like they're making the PTSD something they have to address or fix Versus had it just been kind of like lingering in the background of the show the way it was from early on, I would be less critical. And so th- that's when I get frustrated is the fact that they, they they used it as a wedge and a tool for drama when PTSD is a very serious thing. And so I, I wish that they, they hadn't made it a focal point in the breakup or that they had done something in 12 to show how he was fixing himself and not just had him show up and be back to flirty and chasing after day as if nothing had changed. Yeah. And it was, it was upsetting for me as well, because I feel like I I talked before about how I, you know, them breaking them up and that, why do the scene at the end of episode nine, that, that was a scene where it was like day was really seeing Mork, you know, f- properly and Mork was being seen who was being understood that was such a healing scene for Mork and yet like by the steps they then took later on it sort of tore all that apart like like it didn't happen so then then I felt like we were even further back on his recovery than we than we than we necessarily had been and I agree with you like this is not a show that this is you know this is a, a BL on GMM it's like whatever it doesn't have to they didn't have to have big like mental health storyline or whatever but they brought those they brought the suicide in there they brought the ptsd in there they they chose to do those things with his character and it's so irresponsible not to follow through and not to adjust like address them because they're not they should never be like just plot points for 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 a like to create drama because these are these are not light-hearted topics these are not things that people should just think a good drama or or like can just be swept under the rug or whatever so i i have big issues with that in regards to his trauma i agree we don't need we didn't need to have, have to actually specifically see something i mean we it would have actually been nice to see um me- mention of it even like i did for a little while wonder if what we were seeing because we were seeing these developments in 
in day, as I said, he was getting more courage. He was getting more like confidence. And we see, like, as I said, at the end of episode nine with, with Mork, like that's such a healing moment. We see it. We see these moments where it made me think like, oh, these, these things, these things that he's going through with day are, are actually teaching him lessons as well that will help him to be able to navigate his own trauma and to be able to deal with it. But then they brought in this like desperate, like almost like PTSD trigger of this idea of not being able to be like alone or to be without him. And then this person who's like, my greatest fear is being alone. My greatest fear is not having contact with you. And then days just like sends him away. His biggest fear was not to not be available, to not be there if something happens today. I think I'm okay. And go to another country. I think I'm kind of okay with them uh, separating for, with uh, for Hawaii because I think they needed that. He needed that time, and but I didn't want them to break up. I wanted them. I I wanted them to keep uh, contact. I wanted them to be together and have okay. like a montage where it's shown that they still communicate. Where it's shown that they both do something with their lives while they're away that Mok is exploring, like doing stuff in Hawaii, like having fun, having friends. And they both communicate and they show their progress. Yeah. I think the, I think my issue with it is, is everybody's like, Oh yeah, it's good. They needed to be apart. They needed to be apart. So he could do this, blah, blah, blah. The last thing that Mork needed was to be a person who has nobody alone suffering from a trauma where your greatest fear is being alone. Like that is not, that is like the worst thing that can happen. Like the, if this is a real storyline, like if this is a real life story and you did this to someone who was that bad off, the solution probably would have been something very horrible. I'm thinking about this um, in the context of the story and okay. the context but still, with, the characters, the story, with the characters that, you know, the characters that are there, like uh, the characters that we came to know. For me, it makes sense that something like this would happen, you know? I feel like it makes sense today, is, but I I'm don't think saying, it makes sense for more. I'm not saying this is a good outcome and how things should be in real life, but I'm saying that if it was a story and this is how it happened, it would make sense for me and I would accept it and I would like it as a story. And then getting back together would feel satisfying to me. See, I don't think so. As I said, I think it works for Day, but once again, it doesn't work for Mork. It's selfish on Day's part. That's my issue with the way they resolve this. It is. And okay, you're saying that works for the story. It does, but I don't find that satisfying. Like, how is that satisfying? If we are keeping the story of him getting a job in Hawaii and wanting to go there, I feel like it, it makes sense for him to go over and kind of accept that it's not his responsibility to look yeah, but- over Day. But we like didn't, it's not we didn't really see that because he literally the first thing that happens when he gets to back to Bangkok or wherever it is they're meant to be living is the first thing that happens is he reverts straight back to his old self where it's all about well, like, whatever telling, day wants. I'm saying this in the context that of the story that I imagined in the, oh. the ending that I imagined. I don't even I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not accepting that episode. I just everything that happened does not make sense. It just doesn't make sense for the characters, for the story. It doesn't. I'm just imagining an alternate ending. Yeah. But if we're talking right about this show, if we're talking about, because we are, because that's what we're here for. We're talking about the show <laughs> in regards to the show. 
it doesn't make sense. It makes sense for Day, of course it does. But like for for Mork, it makes no sense. And we we see that, like we see how. I mean, once again, this is we're 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 basing this on like how they've written the rest of the story, but or how the rest of the story is majorly being interpreted. Um, and you know, like they're saying he's he feels guilty, but even like you know when when uh other people related with the show are saying there was no pity happening there then you have to say well okay so if there was no pity then him saying i'm sorry in episode 12 just proves to me that he has actually learned absolutely nothing in his except for good culinary skills he learned nothing by going to hawaii yeah i'm not even considering i i I just imagine that that scene never existed the restaurant scene, the apology scene. That never existed. No, 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 no. That basically nothing from episode twelve exists for me. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should move on to the next question. <laughs> like, let's, let's move on to the next question. Look, <laughs> like stopping the voice of reason all of a sudden. <laughs> what I will say, what I will say in defense of Day, and I never thought I would say those words, but at the end of episode eleven, I feel like. Day really truly thinks that Mork has joined him in the fish tank. Well, he did. Yeah, but Mork didn't feel like that because they they were outside. They weren't like they had different perspectives. But that was Day's fear. This is why I like I like imagining. I said I stole the ending of my my imaginary twelve episodes final scene from Jimmy them going on a journey together in the car i feel like this is fitting because we kept talking about how in dangerous romance we had a place that felt like the bubble Mm. and for them there was no there wasn't a bubble it's like they're always trying to to extend their comfort zone it was always about them exploring new territory and i feel that it would be fitting for them at the end to continue doing that to just go somewhere that we don't see them I just remembered something as well. When you were telling your you, the ending of your story, um, mm-hmm. your story rather how you would like to end, this thing popped in my head and you were saying like how you liked the idea of him and Porgé going to the house and taking care of the house. Like what about if he'd been taking care of the jasmine? Yeah, like, of course. I mean, of course. <laughs> yeah. Like when you were saying that, I had this like in my mind, I was like, and he's there and he's tending to the jasmine. Anyway, Okay. <laughs> I actually okay. like that they pushed him out. Like it, it is the equivalent of Kang dropping the hand. It is very human to feel hurt oh. and lash out and revert. I, I think all we're saying as a group is that from that point on, we needed Day to realize how much Mark needed him and take care of him. And we needed Mark to fully understand how unhealthy his fear was and to somehow get help either through human connection or introspection or something and we got neither of those and that is why the trauma arc is unsatisfying yeah and I mean it's you you're right I mean I I think I said earlier as well that yeah day and I said this I think in the actual podcast that day and in in at the end of episode 11 day and walk both are very true to their characters because Day reverts back to this, like being afraid of being pitied thing. Like he is having his own trauma in that moment. Like they both are losing their shit in very different ways in the exact same moment, but, and they both are having, you know, Day reverts back. 
and then um and walk is like you know losing his shirt in a completely different way but he actually does say to when day is saying to him about pity and stuff and walks and says to him it's not about that like he's very much trying to tell him so i agree with you yeah our main issue is that it just wasn't dealt with in a satisfying manner for sure let's get to question three Question three. Okay, so question three is like the cutest thing ever, by the way. It says, leans in close and whispers eye donation at Zoe and runs away. (laughs) Yes, the most triggering part of this show that has bothered me all the way through. And it had nothing, once again, to giving him his eyes back. Well, not his eyes back, his eyesight back. It was the terminology that was the problem. Because for those who do not know, eye donation is not a thing. There has never been an eye trans, a successful eye transplant medically to this point, unless, of course, something happened earlier today that I don't know about. But corneal transplants are totally a thing. They also said, but no, for real, would you have left the cornea transplant out of the story completely or integrate it differently? And then they've got in brackets, Day wakes up from surgery. Where's Mork? Night. Don't you know who gave you the eyes? <laughs> I really wish I really wish they'd sent this as a voice message because I feel like it's really cute. It reminds me of that TikTok conspiracy theory that was like, what if August dies? <laughs> what if Mork dies and Day gets his eyes? I wouldn't have someone from his life die and have their cornea transplanted. I would not, I would not have it at all. But, I mean, talk, um, talk about drama for drama's sake. Yeah, if it were to happen, it should have been uh, done much earlier. And they have, must have, uh, should have included more information about the recovery process, the longevity of the thing. And Mock's conflict should have changed. Just as you said in the last podcast, it's probably would have been him unable to cope with the fact that they didn't need him anymore. Yeah. So my main issues with this story besides the terminology that was used, and as I said, I'm not 100% sure that that's not just a translation issue. I still don't know because it was said a bunch of different ways. Like like someone actually did say corneal transplant at one point. It did get translated that way. And then other times it was like eye donation or cornea donation or I think there was another variation as well I'm not really sure but yeah my main issues with this and this is what I was talking about earlier which Morel asked me to ask more on where I said realistic representation and what I meant by that was yes corneal transplant is like one of the most successful of all tissue transplants you can have it's a very very good successful procedure that that happens every day and can work really really well you can get almost 100% of your vision back. But there are like things that have to happen for that to be the case. So first off, the my main issue with this story besides, as I said, the, corny, the, the, the eye donation is that they made him completely blind. So by doing that in the story, they made it completely unrealistic to give him a corneal transplant because you have to have a field of vision for this to work. So basically people can go from being almost completely fully visually impaired to having near perfect eyesight after having one of these operations, but you have to have something, there has to be something to work with. Like they don't just make blind people see again. That's not how it works. So the other thing is as well that they left out is that if you've already had one and you've had a corneal infection, which is what they said was the reason why, his failed the first time 
and you've already received one and it was unsuccessful, then it's highly unlikely that they will attempt it again. The issues with that are, first off, they're, they've done a story that's, they've, they've given you a storyline that's, um, and once again, I know it's a drama, it's like whatever, but these are, once again, I feel like they're playing in the in these in these pools of, of areas of uh, disability and uh, themes that are really important and really like need to be, if you're going, if you're going to go there, then you have to, there's, there has to be some responsibility. And I feel like, like they did these things, they told it a certain way and they haven't given you all of the information. So someone who's just watching this casually is thinking, oh, okay, so if this happens, then you can just get this and away you go and everything's fine. And that's not how it's, how it is. And I feel like it downplays the significance and the trauma that someone who in day's position in real life would actually experience because it's not that easy. Now, he maybe got a second chance because they come from money. Like, I don't know, maybe if you've got money, there's a, a way to, you know, grease the squeaky wheel in, in, in another country. I don't know. It doesn't work like that here, but I don't know. But the main thing, my main issue with this storyline, and I feel like it completely changes. Now, I don't know if you know this, Cass, but I've already spoken to Marilla about it, so she she knows this. But although corneal transplants can be extremely successful, basically they last for about 10 years. And then they usually fail. So you eventually go blind again or your vision will decrease quite significantly from anywhere from like it can happen after 12 months. It can happen after seven years. But usually around the 10-year mark, you will either need to get another one and you can get it replaced. Like if you've had a successful uh, corneal transplant and you can get another donor, they'll do it even if it's failed after, because that's usually about the life of it. Like that's usually about how long it works. So often people will get one and they'll get one and they'll have like good vision for say 10 years. It'll fail. They'll go blind again. And either they won't be able to get another one because they just can't get a donor match or excuse me, maybe they'll decide not to worry about it. Or maybe they'll just get another, like there could be someone who's had like five or six of them, depending on the age that they had their first one or whatever. But that's not a story that they tell here. So they, they're like, here's your corneal transplant, magical vision restored forever. You can now see, tra-la-la-la-la, let's go off into the sunset. And that's not actually the story because it's very likely that within five to ten years or within one to five years that he may have gone completely blind again and not once was it mentioned. And there's just silence, so I'm not sure if you're both here or not. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It, it's it's honestly really gross to think about how this works. <laughs> I'm really mad they've made me think about it so much. But yeah, so Ooh. anyway, as I said, there's like issues with the way they told this story in regards to that. So I feel like it was a great opportunity. I mean, now I knew some of this already, but I like from when I did study, but I wanted to double check. So all I did was Google for like 10 minutes, have a chat with my friend and like talk to Morella a bit about it and it was like all the information was there I mean I knew it, it might not have been it was, maybe it was a little bit easier for me because I knew what to like what what uh, phrases to search for and things like that but I found it pretty quickly and it's like I just feel like this would have been a great opportunity to, to educate people a little bit about corneal transplants and that they are an amazing thing but like there is also they're not a miracle cure either so I feel like it was a little bit irresponsible and a little bit misleading the way they told this story. 
So from from those standpoints, like that that would be my to answer the question, that would be my main like issues with 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 the the whole giving him his eyesight back. I don't have, actually have an issue with them giving his eyesight back. I was just like, can they have can they do it a little bit more realistically? Obviously, and also, um, please stop using the word eye donation and and to extend that eye donation center. I don't know. I don't know. We don't have, I don't think we have a place here, which is an eye donation center, but I could be wrong. There's like a transplant center, but I don't think there's a specific one just for eyes. I don't know that there's enough of them. Um, but yeah. So Kath, what is your answer to this question? I think the medical stuff aside, like I'm willing to hand wave for drama my issue is more more narratively again if they knew all along that he was gonna get his eyesight back at the end I feel like they they did think that they were dropping hints with the photos taking in photos was in almost every single episode references to him getting his eyes back were used quite frequently I I think they had laid some of the groundwork I think they could have just tweaked the dialogue in a lot of scenes and then I wouldn't have had it be this miracle thing that happened in Q4 of part 12 I would have had it happen earlier and like had that be the equivalent of what the breakup was because that would have been a very interesting story that they met while Dave was blind and then suddenly Dave knows what he looks like and can see his facial expressions and their dynamic has to change it 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 was made to feel like this miracle cure for so many things including problems in their relationship and and day's vision when if they knew they were going to do it all along like they should have used it narratively in a more interesting way can i can i just ask you this then because you said you know like you can wave it aside and everything medically speaking which i i completely understand but you said earlier you mentioned earlier that you're a writer so if you're writing a story and in in this in in your story your character was blind and was going to have a corneal implant or a transplant rather not implant um would you research that first before you actually put it in there would you be factual in your telling of it or would you really just like gloss over it Oh, um, in my book, a character gets a concussion and I spent three days reading about concussions and trying to genuinely understand them. You still take some narrative liberties for the sake of plot purposes. Like you don't actually just get a concussion and then like get up and walk around usually. Um, so, So there's lines where you should understand the medical issue and you should, you can like fuzz them a little bit. I don't think you should totally like make up things that aren't possible. Mm. as I said I feel like them making him completely blind was a huge thing for me because as I said I knew that then then it couldn't be a thing anyway so then for them to do that like it was a total you know jump the shark kind of moment but it was like they just could have like just had made him go almost completely blind or have his vision going you know how it was getting to that point where it was going in it was coming in and out you know he was getting even more blurry more darker around the outside which it would be if he if his field of vision was shrinking even more and more like these things were all really realistic and actually like what happens and so that that was really good storytelling but then to take it that final step like closes the doors for that so in that respect I had issues you know what I mean so to me they, they've obviously done that for a dramatic purpose, but it doesn't make sense really because they could have still achieved the same thing without doing that. I am trying really hard to be like moderate and like defend the story that was told to us. But, and I saw critiques of people saying like this 
ruins the point of certain things that happen in the show. I, I do really feel like Day getting his eyesight back cheapens the moment on the mountain, which was your absolute heartbeat of the show and the best moment of the entire thing. And so I do struggle with that a little bit, that they had this incredibly gorgeous setup. And I don't understand why they then wanted to wave that away later. Mm. So let's get to question four. <laughs> okay. So question four was, uh, there's a weird month-long time skip after the first transplant. How do you think Day's journey to being okay went? I feel that they robbed us of so many important parts of this story. How much did that play into Mork's decision not to leave Day alone? I feel like they missed out on the perfect opportunity to parallel that dark place with what Rung might have gone through after losing her nail salon. Hello, P.L. Fellow. <laughs> Realistic. And I just put in here once again, my, my response to that was realistic representation because I feel like while I understand why they didn't show us all of that, I had this, I know I, I'm pretty sure I know I left a message for you guys that was probably like a five or ten minute rant about like the way they revealed his, you know, him having, after having the surgery and all that sort of stuff, like the real, reality of like doing it in such a bright room of him being able to see straight away, like all these different things that were just, you know, it, it, once again, they're just like, it's, you have to suspend your disbelief and just go, okay, it's part of the story or whatever. But so I, I kind of get why they didn't show us him, his recovery after the, the transplant. It actually doesn't take that long. Like it's usually only like a few days or something. I feel like maybe they meant his psychological recovery. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Did we see that? I don't know that we even saw that really. I feel like it was kind of implied. And I am I'm okay with the way it was done. If I imagine that episode 12 doesn't exist, I'm okay with the time skip <laughs> and with the way this thing was done. I, mean, I agree. I think-, I think they showed some moments where like Day was kind of introspective and quiet and Mark was a little bit worried, like at Porjai's bedside after she gave birth. And so you got these moments of Day being sad and then like starting to get confident again. I think they, they thought they were trying to show that. Oh, sorry. I've kind of completely misinterpreted. I've just realized what she's asking. The first transplant. Sorry, when it yeah. failed. When it failed. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, what I will say about that, and I think I said this to you guys as well, or maybe I said it in the in the podcast for that episode, is there's no way they would have just like taken off his thing and and not been prepared for you know like when he starts freaking out and like the doctors are all oh like, yeah 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 like chickens with their heads cut off like that is no like no so that is not something that would have happened <laughs> him freaking out yes but them behaving like they had no idea what was going on or what to do that's no. So let's get to question five. Okay, so question five was Mork's top five Goo Goo Gaga heart moments. And honestly, mine mirror my top five moments of the show and things like that very similarly. Um, and favourite hands moment. Favourite hands moment. Yeah. So, okay. So for, for favourite Mork's Goo Goo Gaga heart, heart eyes moments for me is like the change room moment in episode whatever that was, two. Was it episode two? Three. Episode three. The first Jasmine moment where they're sitting outside in the garden. Those are great eyes, yeah. Basically, anytime Day was smiling or laughing and Mork was watching him, which I feel like was a good 
two thirds of the show. Um, the fish tank moment when he's watching Day through the fish tank and then Day gets a good look at him and he catches him. And then episode nine on the mountain because, like, seriously, that is the moment. And yeah. just and they, they were the, they were my top five like Goo Goo Gaga heart eyes. But I felt like I should have an honorable mention, which is my top hurt Mork eyes, because I feel like he had so many hurt, like almost Goo Goo Gaga eyes towards uh, Day, that was, especially pretty much any moment August was around, but especially in episode 11 where he says, leave if you don't pity me. And the way Mork looks at him before he leaves. Breaks my heart, man. Breaks my heart. <laughs> And then just specifically after that, uh, favorite hand moment. Basically all of the hand moments, especially mm-hmm. especially on like Mork's part because they were all about healing and helping and love and never once about hurting. Like he never, he never really touched Day in anger or like, I don't know. I don't know. There was just so much hands. Like I remember there's, if you listen to this from the beginning, like this, this, there's a lot of, I think the podcast and Kess probably will agree with this where I'm just going hands, hands. <laughs> yeah. I think nothing though, will top the moment from episode four when with a hand massage or whatever that is, <laughs> that was just something else. It was just, it was the hands moment. From this series. All right. What about your your top five Mork Goo Goo Gaga heart eyes moments? I'm not going to say the top five because it doesn't say top five, so I didn't think of top five. But yeah, mm-hmm. basically, I'm sorry. I I also read it as just one, so I only. Okay. Sorry, I read it as but five. Basically, so bonus. <laughs> basically, every moment from the favorite scenes that I'm going to ma- mention later. But one that is not included there, but I really, really loved is from episode six. Episode six, when they prepare to, he prepares Day for the surprise party. And the way he looks at him when, when Day examines him, when, when Day tells him about the perfume. When he describes the perfume and when he's like surprised and he's just... The way he looks at him just uh, gets me every single time yes. in that moment. I just thought of another one, but I'll mention it when I'm talking about our top five minutes, moments. Okay, anyway, uh, Cass? My best Mork eyes was after August stands Mork up, or stands day up and Mork takes him to the bridge. And it's like twilight and there's purple light and they're like laughing together and day's been cheered up. Mork just looks so utterly in love is a really good one for like happy Mark eyes. And then I also love his vulnerable eyes when Day defends him to his mom um, after Mark gets in the yes, fight. Yes, oh. I love that, yes. And Day is saying, and a lot of my top moments are going to be a, a tiny bit passive aggressive, and this is one of them. <laughs> when Day says, he's the only one who doesn't pity me, who doesn't make me feel like I'm disabled. The way that Mark is is looking at him there is this such like a raw vulnerability like he feels seen and and like he feels valuable and and that's a really great moment to me Mm. and then I'm so torn on hands because I want to do one where they're touching each other which I think would be by the fire oh Uh, yes the hands on the knees when Day says, I want to do something for the first time with you. <laughs> and, and, then they, 
and then they they hold hands for a little bit and they're both like stroking their thumbs it's such a beautiful intimate moment and and the other hand holds like that are a little bit ruined because they have the infamous line i will never let go of your hand i swear but that's one where they where they are a team and they are in love and united but i really love the moment where they're leaving the like open air bus thing and i know jimmy improvised this and it gets me in the heart every single time and mark says watch your head and he puts the protective hand over it mm. i think that's a really nice hand moment to, sh to show mark's like entire personality and, and how conscientious he is yeah i love that too I, okay I so let's do hang on a second you just mentioned the mark and the hand thing promising to never let go and i was like this was such a thing for me because him promising day he'd never let go of his hand like it was that was that was a huge foreshadowing that something bad was going to separate them we should have seen that one coming because like it's such a huge responsibility that he set up to fail from the start because Mort can only control his actions like he can't control day he can't control the rest of the world like you it's not it's a nice sentiment saying something like that but you actually can't follow through with it dear listener we're interrupting this from the future this is the end of part one. As we kind of expected, our recording turned out to be long. So we bonus. split it in two parts. Yeah, bonus next week. You get a second episode. Thank you for hanging out with us. Check out part two next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.